Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. We are into the political season, edging closer to the May 7th primary election. All nine Fisher City Council seats are up for election in 2019. In the Republican primary election, Tom Grinslade, a local business owner, is running for the Northeast District City Council seat. I spoke with Tom Grinslade during the morning of Tuesday, March 5th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library. It's the library here in Fishers at the Municipal Complex. You can't miss it. It's right next to the new police station. But I'm in the Ignite space in the lower level of the library, which once housed Launch Fishers. And the Ignite space is heaven for people who are creative. There are all sorts of art supplies, 3D printers. I'm in the AV studio where television and musical productions are recorded. Uh, And so what I would suggest, if you have any interest in any of this, just come to the library and ask one of the Ignite librarians to give you a tour. They would be more than happy to do that. You will be very impressed with what you see. My guest today is Tom Grinslade. He is a candidate for Fisher City Council in the Northeast District. So, Tom Grinslade, it's great uh, to have you on uh, one of the podcasts. First time we've had a chance to talk to you. Thank you very much, Larry. And uh, just want to start off with the fact that you are a new candidate. You are new to politics. So it's very, I'm sure there's some people in the community who know about you and what you do, but it's a growing community and many people may not be familiar with you. So let me just start off with an opportunity for you to share with our audience uh, what, something about yourself. Just talk about you. Certainly. Um, I was uh, born in Indianapolis, grew up on the north side of, uh, of Indianapolis, Fall Creek and Emerson, if anybody's familiar with that area. Um, from that point, North Central High School. Then we went on to uh, college at Ball State, where I had degrees in both economics and business management. After graduating out of uh, Ball State, I did a uh, short stint with International Dairy Queen as one of their uh, district managers here in the Indianapolis area, which worked very well into my family business, which is the construction business. Uh, My grandfather started building in Indianapolis in 1921 after he got back from World War I. And uh, down in the uh, 21st and Central College, uh, just north of the old north side, building up all through that area. Um, My dad helped him in that endeavor. And then basically after the Korean War, my dad pretty much took over the uh, construction business. At that time, it was called Grinsleyd and Krabbenhoff. And uh, they did very large subdivisions. Uh, a lot of things over on the east side of town, Franklin and 30th, uh, Shadeland and 38th Street, those uh, subdivisions through there, uh, my dad was building those. Through the years, moved further and further north, and fewer and fewer homes. Got out of the development area of it and just went into doing the custom single-family homes. Did a lot of building up around the Castleton area, and then as Geist came about and uh, the whole Marina Corp and all that stuff. Uh, My dad started building over on on Geist. 
Um, from that point on, is more when I became uh, more involved in it um, after graduation, and um, we built through that whole uh, masthead sections, and then over onto the other side. And when we got into Cambridge and Canal Place and some of those, um, nineteen eighty—I'm sorry, nineteen ninety-four—I uh, incorporated my own business, which is Grinsley Premier Homes. And dad basically retired out in 96, 97, something like that. So I took it over pretty much from that point on. Um, from that point, pretty much all the construction that I've been doing is in the Fishers area. Um, way back when, it was all Noblesville as far as that goes. All of the, uh, well, the people who know the history know that a lot of the planning in Fishers in the early days, uh, really Noblesville had jurisdiction on that. Noblesville had jurisdiction. All the permits came from Noblesville. The inspections came from Noblesville, and uh, that was just that was just how it's done as far as that goes. Um, oh, I can still remember that. You want to talk about early days where 116th Street was a two-lane gravel road past Cumberland. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the only place, the only business was the Indianapolis Boat Company. <laughs> you know, I, I moved here in 91, and I still hear stories from people uh, who lived here from the time that they were in high school. And yeah, it was a very different place. I love to hear the stories about yes. the old fishers. Yeah, the only place you could get a, a, any place to eat when you were out at out. At the lake was the old bait shop that was at Brooks School and, you know, and Fall Creek. I'm old enough to remember that, too. Excellent oh, yes. hamburgers. They did, yes. <laughs> well, uh, so you basically, so how long, first of all, how long have you lived in Fishers? Uh, I've resided in Fishers for 20 years. Okay. And uh, so so basically, you, you had a front row seat to the development of this area. That is correct. Um, so you've seen what's happened, and so we'll talk about what may be in the future. So I guess the next question I would ask after hearing your background is, uh, what motivated you to become a candidate for Fisher's City Council? Uh, glad you asked me that. You know, in today's divisive political arena out there, uh, it started when I was talking to my friends about this. They're like, why in the world would you want to do that? It's like, stick a pin in my hand. I'm not going to do that. I just felt that it was time to start uh, maybe giving back more to the community. Um, I get to see and talk to a lot of people in my business, uh, you know, not only the, my homeowners and so on and so forth, but their neighbors are talking to them and so on and so forth. So you get a, a consortium of, uh, of different groups. And in talking again with my friends about this, um, as I started talking more and more about it, they actually came more around to it. They're like, you know, you actually probably – go ahead. Give it a shot. Try it. See, see what's going on. You've got some ideas. You, you know some people. Um, you know, you might be good for the city to do this. So that started uh, driving it along. Um, I've just become more and more – Politically astute as you get older. Well, I mean, if you're in business, you have to be politically astute. I mean, that's part of – you have a political side, especially in the construction business, of dealing with government, which brings me to my, to my next question. So you're, you're running for one of nine seats Correct. on the Fishers City Council because Fishers became a second-class city. 
uh, we had our first election in 2014, and it was effective in 2015. The mayor's the executive. The city council, of course, is the legislative uh, branch of, of local government. You know, one of the council's most important responsibilities is approving the annual city budget and just really overseeing the city's uh, finances in general. Normally, the way it happens every year, the mayor proposes the annual budget, the council reviews that proposal, makes any changes it wants to make, and then gives final approval to that spending plan. It usually happens in November, October, November for the for the following year. So as somebody who's had to deal with budgets as a business person, how would you approach uh, this this budgeting process, the finance side of, of city government, your responsibilities were, were you t- uh, to be elected to the city council? Well, you are correct. One of the, leg- one of the uh, responsibilities of the legislative branch is the approval of the city budget. Um, and, yeah, it comes out in the uh, late fall, um, usually around October as far as that goes. And I know they get a good two, th- two months to review it, look at it. They well, break the mayor down. starts in the summer. Right. Yeah, he actually starts uh, going to his department heads. But, yeah, it's a long process, several months. But you're right, the council really gets it uh, a little later in the process. Right. So they get a couple of months to, to review it and, mm-hmm. and look through it as far as that goes and to you know check those things that are making sense, not making sense. Why do you want 5% more here? Okay. Is it you know public works needed? Do we need a new uh, – auger at the sewer plant, um, you know, things like that. Um, the I was going to say, all those things have come up, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> covered many budgets going back to 2012, and all, everything you've mentioned has come up in budget discussions, just so you know. And, and it's still, and it always will as sure. far as that oh, goes. Yeah. Um, I've not been to all the budget hearings, but I would imagine that nobody presents a budget and it's past first time go around with no questions. Well, there are questions, yeah. But the mayor, you know, at least here, often gets most of what he wants in the budget. The council will have questions and maybe want to tinker a bit here and there. But by and large, uh, here in our process, uh, the mayor usually gets the budget he wants. Well, that's uh, that's good. Okay, just, just an historical aside there. So uh, your approach to budgeting would just, just explain to – so anything else you want to say about your approach to the budget process since that's a big part of the responsibility of being on the council? Right. Um, I guess the big thing that to be looking at it, does it make sense? If it's not making sense to add something to the city, to add something to the entrepreneurial – quality of the city or just the lifestyle of the city, um, you know, they've spent a lot of money getting us to where we are right now. I've been through a lot of different states, been through a lot of different cities and towns, and Fishers is a special place. Um, You know, that's also backed up by all the national polls and places just live in the country and all that. So we are seen, and we are seen as being someplace a little more special than the rest. So that's why you look at that budget in line with those items. Is this still going to be something that's going to be a benefit to the city? You know, one thing that I uh, noticed, and I was at a recent city finance committee meeting. That's the only standing committee the, the city council has is the finance committee. 
And uh, they wanted to make a point uh, during their meeting that Fishers has one of the lowest property tax rates in the state. I believe uh, the number I was given at that meeting was 0.6915. That's like roughly 69 cents for every $100 of assessed valuation, their deductions. I mean, it's, it's a complex thing. But generally, you start there with that that tax rate before you go into all the other calculations. Um, how, how do you feel the city has done in managing that tax rate? It, it's been low since I've covered uh, the city of Fishers and even the, going back to the town days. And it, it's remained fairly low amongst uh, munis- not just municipalities of its own size, but most municipalities in the state. That's absolutely correct. Um, for the last few years, you know, it moves a, a, a mill one way or the other, um, sometimes a couple, sometimes next year it goes down one or two. Uh, Fisher's tax rate has been very stable. And look at everything that we've been able to do. So, again, that is that's saying a lot for both the administration and the legislative side of, of Fisher's of keeping that going without raising the taxes. Now, you do have some people that complain, say, oh, no, your taxes are higher than Carmel or it's higher than Zionsville or something like that. And a lot of times they're throwing the school tax rates also into the municipal rates and then saying this is why. But people don't realize that the school is a separate taxing authority, has nothing to do with the city of Fishers. Plus the fact that I believe we've had two or three school referendums. We've had two since I have been here. There was one before, a few before that. But now the, the last two have passed overwhelmingly. And you're right, the uh, referendum passes, that adds to the tax rate. But again, the public has voted for that tax increase. Exactly. The public has voted for that. Perfect. Representation by the people, okay? They voted to have the, the taxes go up to support the schools. Again, some people that don't break that municipal out of the schools then think Fishers has higher taxes than someplace else as far as that goes, a Carmel or a Zionsville or comparable cities that we're talking about. But not necessarily – that is not necessarily correct as far as that goes. Yeah, I think if you, uh, there are the two things that really affect your overall tax rate. One is your assessed valuation. I mean, people do get uh, higher assessments. And it's the same rate, but you're being taxed at a higher set. What, what that really means is your home is worth more than it was before, which is good in the sense that it's worth more. But, of course, if the state says that it's worth more, you're going to have to pay a little more. And, and, and because your assessed valuation went up, there are property tax caps that do cap that. I'm not going to get, get geek people out on that. <laughs> but uh, just uh, but I think your point is correct. There's, the city only has its portion of the ta- tax rate everybody pays that it has any control over. And the schools, and I'll have to give them some credit, they have asked for referendum money, but their basic tax rate has stayed fairly stable over the years, right. although the referendum amounts are added on to that. But, yeah, I've heard the same thing you've heard. While the taxes here are higher than X, Y, and Z, but, again, that's the overall. And as a city council person, you would you would obviously only have control over the city's part of that. Another side of that is how much debt every city has. Now, again, at that same meeting that I attended recently, uh, the city finance committee uh, gave a figure of cities debt at right around $329 million. That, that, that's everything, including the TIF debt and, and other uh, – the, the trail and all the things, all mm-hmm. the debt that's uh, been taken on recently, some of that 
debt went to roads also. But uh, for a city of over 91,000, what's what's your view of the amount of debt that that, uh, that Fishers is holding right now? Um, I guess my point to that would be Fisher's bond rating is triple A. And I don't think anybody else has that. In and Indiana. nobody yeah. else in the state mm-hmm. that I know of municipality wise mm-hmm. has a triple A bond rating. So I guess the financial wizards and experts out there um, thinking that uh, you have $390 million in debt okay, we still have a AAA bond rating. Um, those people are a lot more smart than I am on figuring out things like that. But I would also look at debt as somewhat like R&D in a company or business. Research and development. Right, yeah. research and development. So you're putting that money in for something that's going to come back out later on. They're doing the same thing here. You're building roads and doing other things and infrastructure and other things. That is what's going to continue businesses to move into Fishers, new technology, things like that. Um, not just the next strip mall down the line, but um, you know, companies that will, again, be adding to the vibrant nature of Fishers. So it's a good investment. I know debt is not good. People, hey, I don't want to be debt. You know, I like to be debt-free and all the rest. Um, in the city of Fishers, that's not going to be realistic as far as that goes. You're never going to be, I don't think, zero. Um, but we do have a balanced budget, and we have a AAA bond rating. Uh, Mayor, since you're a developer of, of homes, this is uh, something I'm sure you're familiar with. Mayor Scott Fadness uh, recently said that if you look at all the land in the city that is has is developed, I guess the word I would say is developable. Is, is that there's not such a word, so I'll say <laughs> potential for development is there on that land because not you know a lot of fishers is 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 lake, <laughs> you know you you can't build on a lake and and there are floodplains and places where you cannot really practically build. But of the land in fishers where you could build commercially or residentially, only about five percent is left. A lot of that, I think, is in your this district, Northeast District, because uh, it goes up uh, from the Hamilton Town Center area and those hospitals that are in Fishers all the way out Southeastern Parkway. That whole area is is in this Northeast District. Uh, as a council member, what's your view? How should the city look at developing that final 5%? Uh, any, any particular thoughts along those lines? Um, yes, and correcting all those uh, those aspects, uh, I do believe the Northeast District does have the most undeveloped land you know, left in Fishers, um, and it stretches basically from Brooks School out to Atlantic, from 141st Street down to 116th Street. It makes some jogs and things like that, but that's basically the Northeast District. <clears throat> um, I'm certain in the future probably along 136th Street. That's going to be a uh, more commercialized area, especially on the north side, where it goes from between 136th Street and the interstate. Um, My guess is, is eventually you're going to see another interchange, probably maybe in the Cynthiana Road. Uh, So that's all going to be commercial development as far as that in there. Um, 
the rest of that as you go on the south side of 136th Street. Um, you're heading in towards Fortville and that area down 238. Um, I'm sure you're going to see houses, rooftops coming in there. Um, what type of housing do you envision? High-end apartments, uh, different types of, of uh, price ranges. What, what do you project or what would you like to see? Well, selfishly, as a custom home builder, um, <laughs> I, I, would, uh, I would love to see a, a custom development or two go in. Um, and that would be high end. And that would be high end. And I, and I get it. That's a hard, hard thing for developers to do right now. Um, they, they want their money back more quickly than what you would find in a typical pick off one or two lots at a time custom development like we had 10 years ago. Um, so you're going to see, you know, the production side, the Dries homes, uh, the Pulte homes and that type of thing. But even at that point, Fishers, each time you see a new development coming in, that price point of those houses has been up. Um, so it's going to continue out there. Are you going to find a development out there that's going to have $80,000 houses? I doubt that. Are they going to be $500,000? Yes, they are. So that's what I envision out there. I mean, you're going to – sure, you're going to have a, a – a corner here or there that might have a, uh, I don't know, a Walgreens on it or a CVS or something along those lines. But pretty much through that area, it's going to be contained, or I'd like to see it contained up along the 136th Street area and, and residential south of that. Let me move to something related to that, but a little more specific, and that would be the approach to economic development. When attracting development, uh, the city has used a number of incentives when they feel that the time is right. They've used the tax abatement. They've used uh, impact fee waivers. Impact They've fee. Uh, looked at rezonings and tax increment financing, known as TIF. What are your views on, on the incentives that the city should or should not utilize for particularly commercial development? Um, that's going to be looked at as a one-by-one one basis. Each business – and I hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, but each business, when it comes to fishers, is looked at as a as an individual entity. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would assume that tax abatements, TIF, or uh, um, I forgot the other one. Well, uh, the, the impact fee. Impact fee. Thank you. Know. Is all going to be uh, relative to what it is that you're doing? How many employees are you bringing in? Uh, what's there going to be the wage rate? What is the business? Are you going to need real estate? Are, are you thinking we're buying the real estate? Um, some of those things. So I'd, I'd have to say is, is each one would be incrementally different on what package that you would put together, I guess, as a city to attract that business to be here. Well, and just take a look at the downtown area. This is where we are right now. We're in the library at the municipal complex. Uh, we have a lot of development downtown now. There's more coming. We have the yard development over uh, on the other side of the interstate. Uh, how do you view those those projects? Oh, again, that's just adding to the to the allure of Fishers. Um, you know, they're all um, good projects. They're going to add things to things. Um, you know, we, uh, we also have the hub-and-spoke program coming in, 
which again on the trade side, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. It gives people a another avenue if they don't want to go on to college. Maybe you want to do some trades. There's things like that. Yeah, I, I interviewed the men who the, the, the David okay. Decker and, and uh, Mr. Tucker, Travis Tucker, and uh, they're very excited because they're they're partnering with the HSC schools. So if people want right. to take that track, and there's as I understand it, you know this better than I, there's a huge uh, deficit in the number of uh, skilled people to build homes and other other projects. Right, that's exactly where I was going with that. You yeah. can't find enough labor out there to build houses, and those are all well framers and other things, but you get into the mechanicals and things like those are all high paying jobs. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that you can, you can make 60 or $70,000 being a HVAC repair guy mm-hmm. working for one of the companies. Yeah. Local TV station, uh, did a promotion uh, with a local HVAC, uh, company where they offered a, a, a class just to get started to see if, and they had to, once they actually had to add a second class, and a lot of those people have completed it, and they're ready to take the next step into into doing that. So that's that's very interesting. You'd mentioned that, but I want to talk about something else because the yard is one of the projects that's that's being built. It's under built construction right now, right? Right now. and. I've, I've, I've heard from a lot of people in the community who are expert in this and from the mayor and certain council members that we may run, as a community, run into a problem because we don't have a good mass transit system. Where, and if there's not a good mass transit system, some of these people are going to work in, in some of these restaurants and other facilities. They need a place to live, which is within their income. Um, how do you think a city like Fishers should deal with an issue about where are these people going to live who are going to be working in places like the yard and the other restaurants that already exist and other types of retail businesses uh, in Fishers. Where do, how do you deal with this idea of, of how do you provide housing? Uh, to tell you the truth, I had not thought about uh, that as a, as a question, so I'd like to think about that one for a little bit. But uh, my capitalistic instincts tell me that if there's a need for something, um, and it's done again properly and 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 right. Yeah, we can we can build apartments. There's apartments that can be built close by. You got uh, um, some land that's available. They, there'll be somebody who will come in and and do it. Fair enough. Uh, one last question here. Uh, what's your general view of the job done by Mayor Scott Fatness? I'd have to say he's done a fabulous job. Um, again, Fishers is going up. It's not going down, at least in my viewpoint. Um, you've got all the new things that are coming in. You got the Top Golf. You got the IKEA. Look at traffic. Traffic seven or eight years ago was a disaster. Now you can get from one side of the city pretty quickly. I'd actually say that you've got a harder time getting around Carmel than you do. Getting around Fishers. I've heard that said. Yes, oh, okay. I spent a little time in Carmel. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Um, and you know, we got new things coming on board with traffic. You're know, widening 96th Street and doing uh, uh, 37 up to I think what 141st Street. 146. 146th yeah. Street. So, you know, they're taking that long look. 
Jeff and the engineering department is, is doing a fabulous job on the roads and, and the in infrastructure out here. So You're referring to Jeff Hill, who's the director of engineering Correct. for the city, just so people know gotcha. who Jeff is. Uh, one last question for you. Uh, let's say that I'm a resident in the Northeast District. I'm preparing to vote in the Republican primary. I sit down with you and I say, Mr. Tom Grinslade, explain to me in maybe a minute or two why I should vote for you. What would your answer be? Gotcha. The very first plank in my platform, if you want to call it that, is representation for all 30-plus subdivisions and individuals that are up in the Northeast District. Um, there are 12,000-plus registered voters in my district. Uh, there's probably about 18,000 residents in my district. So it's one of the bigger, bigger ones out there. Um, in today's social media there's no reason really not to have contact availability with your representative. Now, that's not only just your basic email, but you got the Facebook, you got web pages, you've got other contact points. Um, and I've explored all those platforms and opened some of those platforms up already. Um, dealing with the HOAs, you know, the HOAs significant because it's right for your district. Whatever subdivision HOA you're talking to, they are in your subdivision. So working with the HOAs as a conduit to those 50, 60, 200 people, whatever, that lives in that subdivision. Um, and again, getting in contact with some of even the smaller groups that are out there, you know, church groups, Bible study groups, um, you know, mom's book clubs, uh, the the 50 at Fishers Club. Now, not all those people live in your district. I get that. But some of them do. And as a conduit, if you know who the person who's running the, uh, the book club, you can get feedback from those people also. Um, so that's the number one reason. And again, that's what the legislative body is all about to begin with, right? It's representation for all the people. And the number two thing on my list is, uh, and we touched on it already, is the development in my, my district. Uh, it's the most undeveloped district that's left. Um, there's some big concerns that are out there, a uh, new fire station that needs to be put in. Um, and I know they got the land for it and so on and so forth. We, we can speed that up a little bit. Sure. Um, um, the development of that, the commercial land in, in Saxony, as an example. That whole park area in there, that all has to be done uh, properly. Um, and then, you know, even you've got Gray Eagle on the golf course. What's going to happen with that down the line? So there's issues in each development all through the, about the nine square miles of Northeast District. Um, so that's the number third thing, or number two thing. And the third thing is, is the continuation of the uh, excellent health of Fisher's uh, fiscal uh, with our AAA bond rating and, and um, the other things that, that we're doing here, uh, I think Fisher's has it together. Tom Grinslade is a candidate, Fisher's City Council, Northeast District. Uh, Tom Grinslade, thank you so much for joining oh, me Thank today. you, Larry. I appreciate your time. Thanks to Tom Grinslade for taking the time to speak with me about his campaign for Fisher City Council, 
Northeast District seat. Remember, Election Day is May 7th. This is the Larry N. Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryNFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, a suburban community northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.